uh, we have Corey Russell with us. Uh, Corey is uh, uh, born and raised in northern Arkansas, but uh, the last 17 years he's been working with the International House of Prayer down in Kansas City, Missouri. He's been on the, uh, the executive leadership team there for the last 17 years. Uh, just been a real key guy there in, in launching that ministry. You've perhaps heard of IHOP, uh, not the House of Pancakes, but the House of Prayer. Uh, we'll go to the House of Pancakes after the House of Prayer today, uh, right? And so he's been down there, and he's also now training and teaching young ministers to, to do what he's doing. Um, God has burdened him in, in such unique ways, and he has that, that, uh, that prophet anointing on him, that prophetic anointing. Uh, we do believe in the fivefold gifts that God has given to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. And I'm thankful that you don't just have a pastor. Because uh, if all you had was a pastor, uh, you would not be fully equipped to do the work of ministry. And so we invite the apostles, we invite the prophets to come and we share this platform with them because they have a unique ability to impart something, equip you to do something that I can, as a pastor in my anointing, can do. Can you say amen? And so put your hands together and welcome Corey this morning, would you? Good morning. Well, we've had a phenomenal weekend. I love Good News Church. I'm just falling in love with you more and more every time I come. And so it's been such an honor to be with you this last few days. Um, and we've had a blast. And so, um, yeah, me and my family have... Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Luke 11. While you're turning there, I'll just... Me and my family have been there for the last 17 years. I have three beautiful daughters, an 18-year-old, a 14-year-old, and a 7-year-old. Surrounded with beautiful women. And, uh, and I just love it. And... Uh, yeah, and so we, I think we have one of our Glory Within books out here. I wrote a book on the Holy Spirit years ago that will bless you if you want to grow in intimacy with the Holy Spirit. I recently released a book called Inheritance, uh, as well as a prayer CD called Inheritance. And it's our, the last five years of our journey as a family through hardship. And so if you've been through any difficulty, uh, the, the Lord has used the Bible and used, uh, it just tells our story. And then I think it will give a lot of courage and strength to you in your journey. And then I have a prayer CD that you could get on iTunes and different places like that. Lord, we love you. We're so grateful for all that you've done. And we just ask you that we thank you for your word. We thank you for the book of Luke. God, I thank you for Pastor Walt and Carrie. I thank you for the leadership team here, God. And Father, even uh, I, you know, just. I just thank you, God, for the book of Luke and the gospel of Luke. And, Father, we just ask you that you would glorify your word this morning. Oh, that man at your right hand, we ask you to magnify him. Father of glory, give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Jesus. I pray that our eyes would be opened, that hope would flood our hearts, revelation of who we are would flood our hearts, and that power would touch every one of our families. We thank you for the word of God. Glorify it this morning. In the name of Jesus, amen. Good. Luke 11 is where I want to start. And so I, uh, I, let's just jump in. <laughs> All right. Verse one. Now it came to pass as he, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. I want to read that verse again. Now it came to pass. I want you to see the first thing. He was praying in a certain place. 
that when he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. I have a few thoughts that hit me when I read a verse like this. The first one is, who would have loved to have heard Jesus pray? Two of you. Let me ask it again. Him and her are right over there. I saw you. Beautiful people. All right. Who would have loved to have heard Jesus, watch Jesus pray? I mean, we just, we just read past a verse like this and it's so casual that it says when he was praying in a certain place that when he ceased, you have to first take a step back and say, who is this man? Who is this man? We know he is God in the flesh. It says in John 1 14 that the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten full of grace and truth. So what the disciples for three and a half years got an upfront and close personal view is they got to watch God talking to God through God. He's not, in, he's not a normal man. He's not just some anointed teacher or prophet or good guy who's praying. He's God who has come to the earth and he's talking to the Father by whom they did Genesis 1 together. Who is this man? There is no man like this man. He's not another prophet. He's not another teacher. He's not a good moral man. Yahweh in the flesh. The Creator, I love John 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. Oh, all things were made through Him. And without Him, nothing was made that was made. In Him was life and the life was the light of men. Skip down to verse 14. And that Word became flesh. The eternal Word of the Father became a seed in a virgin's womb. A seven pound, 21 inch baby born into the world he created. Grew up learning. What was it like as he discovered things? And then the angels would whisper to him, you made those things. <laughs> I love it. I love it. What the great mystery of God becoming a man. We can talk about this other than Christmas. You know that, don't you? It's okay, I promise. And for three years, this is my premise this morning. I believe Jesus' greatest impact on these disciples was his prayer life. And I believe that the greatest impact you're going to have on people around you will be your prayer life. Alright, that's my main premise this morning. And those disciples, do you know that we didn't pretty much see Jesus for 30 years? Okay, he comes to the earth. The only time we see him is at 12 years old. And where is he at? He's in Father's house. He's in the temple. Fast forward to 30 years old. And the Bible says that he prayed. When he prayed, the heavens were opened at his baptism. And a voice came out of heaven and said, This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. That's a good prayer time. Do you know Jesus in Luke 6? I love that you guys are going to be going through the book of Luke over this next season. In Luke 6, Jesus did a night watch. He prayed all night long to ask the Father, who are the 12 that you're calling to run with me in this season? 
He sought the Father all night to receive that. How about Mount of Transfiguration? Jesus prayed on the top of Mount of Transfiguration. And you know what happened? He began to get altered. His clothes began to change. Glory began to fill him. And guess who showed up to his prayer meeting? Moses and Elijah. That's a pretty good prayer meeting. Anybody had Moses and Elijah? And if you are, we'll call you weird. <laughs> you know, Moses and Elijah showed up to me today in, in my prayer time. They came down and they started talking to him about his death. And then Peter goes, you know what? This is so good. Let's start three churches. One for Jesus, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And then the father shows up to the prayer meeting and speaks out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Hear him. Listen to this one, because the law and the prophets are pointing to him. Jesus, he prayed. The man lived in prayer. I love Mark one thirty five that in times to where the ministry was popping, doors were opening, power was breaking out. Jesus would end the revival meeting at midnight, wake up at 3 a.m., seek the father all morning. Peter comes to him and says, Lord, the doors are opening. Invites are coming in. And Jesus says, I just heard from the Father. It's time to shut down the revival tent. We're moving to a different city. His obedience to hear what the Father was saying in every step. Luke 5.16 says that he often, I love that phrase, often withdrew into the wilderness and he prayed. This is God, fully God, but yet he laid aside his divine privileges and as a man filled with the Spirit, depended on the Father every living moment. And those disciples got to watch him. They watched him pray before uh, Gethsemane in John 17. They watched him pray in Gethsemane. Do you know what the prayer of Gethsemane is about? It's about the praying through of the surrendering of your will to God's. He prayed on the cross, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He prayed for Simon Peter saying, devil's going to take his best shot at you. But I'm praying for you that your faith wouldn't fail. And that when you've returned, go strengthen your brothers. Do you know Jesus prays you through seasons where the devil almost takes you out? Who in here has had those assaults of the evil one on your life? on your marriage, on your family, I want you to know that there is a man at the right hand who is praying you through and that your faith wouldn't fail. And when you thought you were about to kill yourself, he prayed you through and says, uh-uh, they're mine. His prayers pray you through and he prayed Simon through. He prayed on the cross. He's praying in heaven now. The man is an intercessor. He's an intercessor, and you've been born into an intercessor's family. Some are born into doctors, lawyers, teachers. You've been born into a prayer warrior's family. It's what's in your DNA, in your bone, in your marrow. You're an intercessor because he's an intercessor. Hallelujah. I'm about to pray my way in. What else are you going to be? That's just for the few women off in the back room. I want to say thank you women for carrying the torch for the last 2,000 years. But there's a news flash. It's not just for a select few in a back room. There's coming a revelation to the body of Christ. Is that we are a royal priesthood. And that as He is an intercessor, we have partakers of that heavenly calling. 
standing before the throne of God, looking at Him, receiving from Him, and agreeing with heaven, and seeing heaven manifested into our lives and our families. We are partakers, Hebrews 3.1, of the heavenly calling. Hallelujah. They watched Him pray. Number two, this is the thing that's been hitting me. He let them watch Him pray. As This is what this is the greatest, would you call Jesus the greatest leader ever? I would too. And what did he do? He for three years just provoked them. He provoked them and he says, I want to make it clear to you, my number one mode of discipleship, I'm going to let you watch me talk to the Father. I'm going to watch, you're going to watch me, you're going to eavesdrop on me as I commune with the Father and I, as I hear from him and as I move with it, I'm going to, you're going to, I'm going to let you eavesdrop on me. I believe that God's inviting leaders. And when I say a leader, I'm talking about you influence one or more. These are leaders, ones who influence one or more. That you will come out of your closets and that you would begin to pray in front of people. Jesus led the prayer meetings. And He let them watch Him pray. I tell you, I have a vision. I have a vision for moms. Because I want to tell you the greatest disciplers and leaders our moms in our homes. I want to tell you something right now. I have a vision for seven-year-old little Bobby. Wake up. He runs in the living room and he sees mom on the couch. Bible open, notebook open, worship music on. And Bobby hits a threshold called the presence of the Lord. And he begins to notice mom's crying. And a revelation is going to hit that little kid at that moment. Jesus isn't a once-a-week meeting. But he's a real person by whom mom talks to and has communion with. And that he, she's talking to him because he's real. Do you know those tears and the memory of that moment will last a lot longer than all your to-do list? When you're just telling, telling them to be a good Christian, they're going to say, Jesus is alive and he's real. Oh, when we're driving, you know, I do like 10 CVS runs a night. I like driving and I take my kids on like 20 dates a night. Thank you. (laughs) You know, I I go to CBS. I thank God for CBS. Run there every five seconds. And so I'll grab another kid. And so Maya was with me. uh, My middle one was with me a few weeks ago. She puts in a worship song. We're just listening to it. And I start getting touched over the music. And it's just like, my goodness, about the cross. And I'm getting touched. And all of a sudden, I just started getting lost into it and start crying. And I just watched her turn over and look at me. Like, Dad, man, you're kind of taking this a little too far, man. <laughs> and it hit me. See, it, it hit her. These aren't just songs to me. He's a real man whom I'm in love with. And I'm so grateful. And I have it graduated past the cross. Jesus. Who would have loved to have heard Jesus preach? Him? Yeah. You know what they look like by the end of the Sermon on the Mount? The Bible says they were astonished. Who would have loved to have seen the miracles? Blind eyes popping open, deaf ears popping open, lame walking, dead raised... Lazarus coming out mummified four days later after being dead. Five loaves, two fish, feeding 5,000 men, not including women and children. How about the deliverances? 
demons coming out with a word. He didn't dance around them. He didn't roll, roll oil on them. He, he said, go. And they left. How about prophetic evangelism? The woman at the well, go call your husband. I don't have a husband. Jesus goes, you're right. You've had five and you're living with a man. She goes, I perceive you're a prophet. <laughs> the disciples witnessed it all. They were in every revival service. And then they were in every campfire chat after the revival service. You know, the book of John says, if all the things that Jesus said and did were compiled into one book, there would not be enough books to contain it. Do you know what that means? Those are all the campfire conversations after all of it had happened. And when Jesus would be able to say, this is what I felt when power came out of me. Whew. Those disciples saw it all, heard it all, witnessed it all. And we don't see one recorded time where they asked him, teach us to preach. Teach us to heal. Teach us to deliver. Teach us to prophesy. Teach us to do miracles. Teach us to do A, B, C through Z of the Christian life. What did they ask him, saints? Teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. No, no. I'm not coming to you as the house of prayer guy who's saying you need to grow in your prayer side of your diet. I'm here to say prayer blows up the pie. It's not a slice of your pie. It is the pie. And I know every guy will say that about his niche. But Jesus lives in prayer. And the one thing the disciples asked him was teach us to pray. And I've begun to ask myself as a leader, do people want my prayer life or my preaching skills? Do they want my wisdom skills? Do they want my this and won't want my that? Those disciples wanted his prayer life. Do people want yours? Do people ask you that you would instruct them and in how you engage with heaven? This is what those disciples understood. They understood that Jesus' public life of ministry was the result of his private life of prayer. They go, we want to connect to the source. We want to connect. When you pray, prayer isn't a religious activity. It's not a, let's go be in the side now. You can move between talking to us and engaging with heaven effortlessly. It's intimate when you talk to God. It's vulnerable when you talk to God. It's not stoic and religion and all like the Pharisees. He says you do it effortlessly and you engage with Him and there's answers to your prayers. When you hold five loaves and two fish, there's 5,000 fed. Things happen when you pray. Oh, I want your prayer life. I want the power that you speak with. How do you talk about God that way? When you preach, my heart burns. What is it about your prayer life? I believe God is bringing the disciples' prayer back to the forefront of the church. We've asked Him to teach us in everything but the one thing that He provoked in the ones who knew Him the most. Teach us to pray. Take us by the hand and introduce us to the atmosphere of heaven and get us into that calling of prayer. That glorious and high calling of engagement with heaven and bringing heaven down into our life. He says, okay, well, we got to deal with the elephant in the room is what you think about when you think prayer. First lesson in prayer. 
we got to deal with your strongholds of prayer and what you think of about prayer. Because firstly, when you think prayer, you think list. But when I think prayer, I think person. And I want to deal with your strongholds of prayer. And he's about to give us the Lord's Prayer, which begins, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And it's almost like Jesus does this. Okay, okay. Give me, we're going to write down your list of things you need me to fix in your life. Okay? Save Uncle Johnny. Heal Aunt Susie. Touch mom and dad. Touch brother and sister. Deliver, heal, save. I need money. God, I need money. God, did I get down? I need money. I know this is on your prayer list. That's good. He wants to meet temporal daily needs. He's into daily needs. We see that in the Lord's Prayer. But Jesus says we first got to deal with something because I got to first deal with your list and I got to take you into the protocol of how you learn how to pray. Okay? He says, now give me your list. He goes, did I get money down there? Yes, you got money. (laughs) Give it to me. Jesus looks at it, smiles, blows a kiss to you, and then he does this. He goes, first thing we got to learn about prayer. It's not about a list. Because there's many believers that hold the list as a bartering tool with God. Saying, God, if you break in on these four issues, I'll really start serving you in 2018. Many believers live at a distance and they hold this as a bartering tool. I want you to know God's not on trial. And He's not on trial. He says, we'll get to that later, but right now I want to introduce you to someone. And I have brought a revelation of God to the planet. And you can call Him Abba. You can call Him Father. Everybody say Abba. Say Father. Jesus says, when you pray... Say, notice he didn't say when you read a book on prayer. Notice he he didn't say when you go to a conference on prayer. He says when you do it. It's called on the job training. He says when you pray, say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. He says there's three words I want to get tattooed on your spirit. Father, heaven, holy. Father, heaven, holy. Guys, I wanted to say something right now. Can I brag on our Father for a second? Can I talk about how awesome He is? Can I? Will you you allow me to? Can we talk about Dad for a second? There is no one like our Father. We sing the song, He's a good, good Father. Beloved, that doesn't even touch it. He is unlike anyone you've ever met. He's unlike the best dad and the worst dad. Compared to him, we're all called evil. He is apt. I call him the inexhaustible treasure house of goodness. He is the inexhaustible treasure house of power. Inexhaustible treasure house of kindness, gentleness, righteousness, justice, wisdom. He is eternal in his resource. He is eternal in his generosity. There is no one like him. Do you know who you're talking to? Who do you think? You're talking to. Who do you think you're talking to? Who do you think you're talking to? He is our Father. He is the Father of glory. He's the Father of lights. He's the Father of spirits. He's our Father in heaven. 
He is the Father of mercies. You want to know mercy? Get lost in His eyes. Everybody look at Him right now. Look at your Father right now. Just say, Abba. Say, Abba. The cry within your spirit says, God, I belong to you. Do you know Him? He measures heavens with the span of His hand. Measures all the waters in the palm of His hand. The mountains are... He weighs them in His scales. The nations are but a drop in the bucket and the inhabitants are like grasshoppers. He humbles Himself to behold the things that are in the universe. He wraps Himself with light. He is light. He dwells in unapproachable light. Hallelujah. Most of us view God like a middle class working dad with seven billion children. Because middle class working dads are good guys, but they have limited resources. Can I tell you to quit worshiping idols? Quit worshiping idols. What are you talking about idols? It's your view of God. I want to tell you that the devil is the father of lies. Come on, lock in with me. Do you know the devil is a father? He's a father of lies. And guess what his full-time job description is? Lying. Accusing. Tormenting. Perverting. Twisting. The nature of our father. And trying to get you to buy into it. Because he understands that as a person thinks, so they'll start feeling. And when you start feeling, you'll start living based on what you're thinking. And Jesus says, you don't only call him father, but everybody say in heaven. Here's my question for you. Heaven isn't waiting for you just after you die. Heaven is accessible now through the blood of Jesus. You need to lift your eyes to heaven. Heaven is where class begins. Colossians 3, Paul says, if you've been raised with Christ, he goes, this is what you do. You take these six inches and you set them on things above where Christ is. Setting at the right hand of God. He says you died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. And he says there's one word that surrounds Abba. And it's the word called holy. These angels. These burning creatures surround God's throne. And guess what they do forever. What are they saying? Holy. 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 Is the Lord God Almighty. To him who was and is and is to come. Holy, 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 holy. You know what that means? I've never seen him like this before. You guys okay? Can I tell you, I've been talking about it this weekend. God's going to cure the church of the great cancer called boredom. And he's going to start with you. Jesus gives us the Lord's Prayer. He goes, the first lesson of prayer is understanding what's already been made available to you. These are the two movements of prayer. Listen, this is good. You have two movements of prayer. The first movement is, thank you. While I was dead in my sins, you died for me. When I was unable to do anything, you did everything. Thank you. And the other movement is, I need you. Thank you and I need you. Those are the two movements of prayer. Class begins in heaven, but it starts at midnight. And he's about to give us the second part of the parable. 
Do you know that the, the Lord gives us the Lord's prayer and without stopping, he's still answering our desire to be taught in prayer. He goes, okay, let's think about this, guys. And he's about to give us the parable, what's called the friend at midnight. He says, this is how I want you to think about it. I want you to be asleep. Now, I know some of you young people, y'all don't go to sleep till one or two. But for the sake of the parable, you went to bed at 10. All right, I'm in my full rim cycle by 10, man. By 1030, somewhere in there. He says, it's midnight. Jesus says, all of a sudden, you're going to hear this. It's going to come to your front door. There's going to be a knock at midnight. Is anybody else, if you go to sleep at 10, nobody's on their best at midnight. You're discombobulated. You're, what in the world's going on? Do I need to get my gun? What's happening? Kids are home. Everything's good. What's going on? You are alarmed when you wake up like that. You are discombobulated when you wake up like that. What's going on? What, who's at my door? And you come to the door, Jesus says, and there's a friend that has come to you on his journey, and the friend is in need of bread. Bread in Scripture means resource from heaven. Holy Spirit, life of Christ. And he says, the friend says, I need bread. But a painful revelation hits you. I don't have any. However, I know someone who told me I can come anytime and they would give me as much bread, as many bread, as much as I need it. And so in the parable, he starts knocking at the door of this other friend who is the Lord. And the Lord starts crying out on the other side, leave me alone. My children are with me in bed. It's late. Come back another time. Jesus paints this parable to give us an understanding of our prayer lives. Stick here with me. Stick with me. He says there's another part of your prayer journey. And God wants you to understand that there will come midnight knocks to the door of every one of you. Sometimes these midnight knocks look like a marriage on the brink of a divorce. They look like children who grew up in the church. And then they run far into rebellion and to the things of this world. They could look like financial disaster, betrayal, relational conflict, death, loss, trial, tribulation. There are situations and knocks that come to the door of every one of us that do this. They awake you from your sleep. To where it goes from the 45 minutes I go to church, pay my tithe, be a good neighbor, go to work, to pay the bills, mow the lawn, be a good person. But then there's those seasons to where it's a a wake-up call of, my gosh. And then you come to the door and you get exposed because a revelation hits you. You don't have what it takes to get yourself out of this mess. You are in and of yourself barren and exposed and you're not smart enough, rich enough, you don't know enough people to get yourself out of a certain mess. Have you ever been there, friend? Has anybody ever been at that place where you got awakened and you got exposed? I tell you, us Americans hate being exposed. We build our whole lives around shielding ourselves from being exposed. But I want to say that's where prayer begins. Prayer begins when you end. You're not hearing me this morning. You're not hearing me this morning. That midnight knock will awaken you. It will expose you and it will drive you to your knees. 
And then you encounter a different face of God that you've never experienced before. The God who isn't moving on your timetable. And the more you pray for your lost son, the worse he gets. And the more you pray into certain situations, the more difficult it becomes. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been at a place where it doesn't look exactly like you thought it was going to look? And to where you are filleted, laid bare, exposed. But I want to tell you, in 20 years of daily prayer meetings, I have seen countless Christians hit this wall. They hit the wall and then slowly and subtly they begin to back away from that furnace and they begin to enter into a second class citizenship and it's called existing as a cultural Christian in America. They will back away their hearts. They'll run to the golf course, run to a mistress, run to a new boyfriend, run to a new job, turn on ESPN longer, turn on that longer, anything to drown out the noise of a barren painful soul that is exposed. Well then pull on it. Come on. I'm just talking back at him. I like it. You go, why is he getting mean to him? I'm not. I like being talked to. It's good. I have seen 20 years people hitting that wall and they come up with God's leading me into a new season. God's lead me into this. I don't push in for that anymore. What do you do when you're fully laid bare and God isn't moving on your timetable? What keeps you there? What keeps you from drowning out the noise with more sports this and more that or looking across the office to a different person and saying maybe I just need to disconnect from this whatever I've been doing? I'm talking real stuff this morning. And I want to see Christians that actually break through. We need moms and dads that break through the door. And that open up a door for our sons and our daughters. And release spiritual inheritances. And begin to release breakthroughs. Because that's the power of your testimony. I didn't go anywhere. And maybe I did for some seasons. But then he slapped me and I came back. Because I understand it, I understand turning that on longer, watching more games, watching more of this, and he slaps me. He says, stop it. What keeps you there when you don't see the immediate breakthrough? What keeps you there when you're in that difficult place? What keeps you there? I'll tell you what it is. It's the constant daily washing and confession. God, this is who you are. You are good. You are gracious. You are mighty. You are rich. You have the bread. But not only do you have the bread, you want to give the bread. You are generous. You are good. I know you love me. I know you can't deny me. I'm your favorite one. You've got a soft spot in your heart for me. I got three girls. I'm just undone. I, you know. Do you know God has a soft spot in his heart for you? Because we're all in Christ and he cannot deny his son. What keeps you there, friend? Have you been there? What keeps you there? God, you're good. You have it. You want to give it. You cannot deny me. I'm not going anywhere. And then there's another part of this. Jesus says he won't rise to him and give to him because he's his friend. Yet because of his persistence. 
Everybody say persistence. Say it again. One more time. If there's one word that needs to get dropped like a rod of iron in the backbone of the church in America, it's the word persistence. And you know what persistence is? It's confident consistency. Confident consistency. It's not a bunch of mean, loud people. I'm going to beat the door down, but there's a point of saying, God, I'm your friend, but this goes past friendship because I know who you are. I ain't going anywhere. I ain't going anywhere. I know who you are. I ain't going anywhere. Jesus gives us the parable and he says he won't rise and give to him because he's his friend. Yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. Do you know God wants to do more than just meet your individual need? Do you know what God wants to do for the ones that don't go anywhere? And even when he slaps you, you keep coming back. Do you know what? Come on, listen to me. I'll tell you what the greatest trial in the Christian life is. It's staying tender. Staying tender to the promises. Staying tender to his leadership. Staying movable when he moves. Jesus says he won't rise and give to him because he's his friend. Yet because of his persistence, he will rise. Open up his door. Run a conveyor belt of bread into his life. And he will give him as much bread, as many needs, as long as he needs it. This is a personal belief that I have right here. Some of you are in the fight for your marriage of a life. Fight for your kids. A war in finances. There's been betrayal. There's been loss. There's been setback. But you chose not to go the offended route. Where else are we going to go? I'm either going to disconnect or I'm going all in. And for the ones that say, I'm not disconnecting. I got one life to live because I got children and grandchildren in the balance. And I am fighting like an Abraham for a spiritual inheritance for generations to come. I understand. I understand those seasons in marriage that you don't know you're going to make it. And everything inside of you in a culture says you can just get out of it. I want you to know that we need moms and dads that get a vision in their 40s saying, "Uh uh-uh, we're going to get to 80 or 90 on the porch holding hands and seeing our children and great-grandchildren and seeing a legacy. you got to think more than what you're feeling in the present moment. We're living for generations. you got to think about what your rights are. Forget your rights we got generations in the balance. Hallelujah. All right, good. I believe that, and this is my point that I was going to say earlier. I believe that there's midnight wrestles that you win in this season. That for the rest of your life, you're going to automatically run into people. Marriages on the brink. Children that have lost. Financial situations. You will automatically, there will come a magnet on your life. These people will come into your life. And because of the power of your testimony... You will see resource flow in you and through you to meet people's needs and to stabilize their souls in the midnight wrestle of their life. That's what the as many as he needs means. You have an open heaven over your life because of something you won in a midnight wrestle. I believe that. So Jesus gives us the parable. He shows back up to Good News Church 2018. 
He gets right up into your business and says, so I say to you, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. Hallelujah. Then Jesus throws a little caveat on it. He says, everyone, everybody say everyone. Which means he don't care if your dad's a drug dealer or a pastor. There's an irreversible law of the kingdom. He's not a respecter of persons. Everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. Everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. And Jesus says, if you ask for bread, will he give you a stone? If you ask for fish, will he give you a serpent? If you ask for an egg, I've never asked my dad for an egg, but if you ask your dad for an egg, will he give you a scorpion? He says, though I say to you, you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Who needs the Holy Spirit this morning? All over the room, I want you to stand right now. We're going to ask for the Holy Spirit right now. Who in here, raise your hand if you're in one of those midnight wrestling seasons. Come on. Hallelujah. God is so kind because if you try to run from it, he'll just slap you like with somebody like me and come here and say, get back to asking again with that fresh confidence. I want everybody to look at the father right now. I just want you to look at him. Hallelujah. He's a good father. Just lift your hands all over the room. Let's just look at him. Father, I pray for every heart in this room right now. I pray for a new view of God. Is there anybody in here today who does not know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior? Today is the day of salvation. But I pray right now for a view and a new revelation of God as Father to every heart in this room. Come on, just take us into this song. Come on. I pray right now for you who are in the midnight wrestle of your life. I just want to say to you, friend, don't quit. Don't quit. Stay the line. Renew yourself in the image of the Father. Renew yourself in the image of who you are before Him. And get your mouth open and ask for your inheritance. Come on, let's get right into it. This is the song for this hour.